episode of the Love Your Bod Pod. I'm your host. I'm Kara Carincefelli and I help people heal their relationships with food and their body and ultimately transform their lives and I love this work. Thank you for spending some of your time with me today. I am so grateful to have you here and today we have a really awesome interview with you. I'm so excited for you guys to listen to this. It's with two other women who are sisters who have also recovered from eating disorders and they're entrepreneurs. They started a nonprofit here in Los Angeles called GEMMED and they focus on helping teens and young adults recover from eating disorders. And Annie is a licensed marriage and family therapist with over five years experience working with teens and young adults and having lived with and recovered from an eating disorder herself, she is in a unique position to provide insight, support, and guidance. And at GEMMED, she develops a therapeutic curriculum that is unique for each session and support group with a focus on treating all aspects of who you are, not just the eating disorder. Which, by the way, that is something I love about GEMMED, and you're going to get to learn a lot more about their organization and how they help people recover. And if you're in recovery, you're going to gain a lot of insights and very like applicable things that you can add into your life to help you with your recovery process as well. So oof, I'm so excited this episode is really juicy. And then Ellen is the creative powerhouse of GEMMED with over four years experience in the entertainment public relations industry. She leads much of the PR and marketing efforts of the company in addition to providing mentorship and guidance to GEMMED clients. Her own experience with an eating disorder and low self-esteem makes her uniquely qualified to run GEMMED alongside Annie. Now in today's podcast episode, we talk about their unique struggles with their relationship with food, what recovery looked like for them, and why they decided to start GEMMED. And they share a lot about what you can learn from your eating disorder and what you can learn from the recovery process. Because if you're in recovery, you know that it's really hard. It's really difficult. Recovery is not sunshines and rainbows, as Ellen says in the episode. And so I think you're going to get a lot of comfort from hearing us talk about the fact that recovery is difficult. And then at the end, we share some incredibly exciting news. We're we're co-hosting five in-person workshops next year in Los Angeles. And you can come in from anywhere to these workshops. And I'm not going to go into all of the details right now in this intro because we talk about the details at the end of the episode. And also all of the information is on both of our websites at gemmed.ngo or at kitchen.net and that's care with the C. So at the end, you'll hear about the workshops. I'm so excited about what we're offering and what we've created, and I'm really excited to get to hang out in person with those of you that come because in-person is unparalleled. It's unmatched, right? Like online interaction is great, but it's no match for in-person. And so I'm really stoked about what we're offering and what we're creating. So stay tuned to the end if you're interested in that. And without further ado, let's get into today's incredible, awesome interview with Annie and Ellen of GEMMED. Hey, 
Annie, Ellen, hi. Thank you so much for being here on the Love Your Bot Pod. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'm so excited to chat with you guys today. And in typical Love Your Bod Pod fashion, one of my favorite quotes by Steve Jobs is you can't connect the dots looking backward forwards. You can only connect them looking backwards. So you have to trust that the dots will somehow connect in your future. You have to trust in life, God, karma, whatever. This approach has never let me down and has made all of the difference in my life. So connect the dots for us, ladies. How did you get to where you are now with this incredible nonprofit organization in Los Angeles, helping teens and young adults heal from eating disorders? Yeah. Um, well, I think we both have like some, I mean, we're sisters, so we both have like mm -hmm. similar or overlapping pieces of our stories, but we definitely like diverge in some ways too. Um, I'll, I'll start, yeah. I guess. So like, so for me, I would say um, my first like dot, so to speak, was like, you know, a family trauma that happened to us when I was like 12, I guess, and kind of really like set the stage for like feeling like my life was out of control. And, you know, I think a lot of people can identify with like, as a kid, it's like, there's not a lot that is in your control in the first yeah. place. And then like, once things start to really feel out of control, it's like, whoa, super scary. And it wasn't like right away that like my relationship with food started to go south. I think that was just like a slow burn, so to speak, that set the stage um, along with like genetic predispositions and all that kind of stuff. Um, where I think, you know, when I was more like 15, 14, 15, um, that's when I started to get a lot of comments that um, were really highlighting like my body from other people and my how I looked and my weight and I was uh, as like a prepubescent child like as a lot of people are like very thin I hadn't like gone through puberty yet mm -hmm. and there was just like a lot of comments coming in constantly around like oh you're so thin and like aren't you so lucky to be so thin and a lot of them were like honestly from adults um and it I think it really sealed in my head like this is um what's beautiful about me and this is what's important and this is what people notice about me so that being said, I think it was around like 14, 15 when I started to like skip meals and a lot of it was around like special occasions like, oh, I'm going to a pool party. So like I have to look thin because I know people are going to comment on that. So like I'm not going to eat today or like a school dance like, oh, I'm not going to eat today. Um, and then I would say like probably about like a half year, a year, a half later, um, it, things were like totally out of control. Mm -hmm like full-blown um anorexia like later kind of snowballed into like bulimia with an exercising purge like subtype um where i would basically like you know binge because i was so hungry and then i would like you know work out for like hours afterwards and totally out of control and i really just like i didn't get a lot of help at all really and like no one really ever said anything despite being, um, you know, now looking back, I was like a BMI that was like, technically like I should have been hospitalized and I'm like really lucky I didn't die. But like, it's, but like, I, I, I no one knew what to do. No one knew what to say. And I think it goes back to like a lack of education around eating disorders in general. Mm -hmm. And so I would say like a big, you know, dot, so to speak of my life was like, you know, 
a lot of opportunities of like kind of scary stuff that was going on and no one said anything along with just like missed opportunities for myself around like my life and what I lost. Um, you know, I, I, ha I was super isolated in high school and college. Um, I didn't have like a lot of friends. I missed out on a lot of stuff. I removed myself from any situation that looked like food was going to be involved. It was like, no, sorry, I'm so busy. Like I can't go. And like, you know, it, uh, yeah. And I like, and I miss, I didn't study abroad. You know, I like didn't go to parties. Mm -hmm. I like didn't have sleepovers, like all that kind of stuff. I really like lost out on big portions of my life. Um, and then I think like when I was in, I guess it was like more, it was like my senior year of high school where I started to make a conscious choice to have more friends and like spend time with people and with that came being around food and not that it was like everything was like cured right away but it was like a it was like this like light of like this is what I want in my life I'm enjoying this it's fun to eat with friends like this is something that um I want more of mm -hmm. and I definitely continued to struggle in college and I had a couple like pretty bad relapses but that that idea of like I like having a meal with friends and I like having like friendships and conversations with people was like a fire that I do think like eventually led me to choose recovery and like I don't want this for my life anymore and to like build a life that I did kind of want for myself away from a disordered relationship with food so I would say that's like broad strokes mm -hmm. kind mm -hmm. of what where I started at and where I came to today. What about you? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think mine was um, a little bit of a different timeline, but similar pieces, like, you know, a family trauma that for me kind of morphed into um, OCD. And once I kind of worked through that, by the time I was in college, it kind of got replaced by an eating disorder. Um, so it was kind of, you know, really restrictive and constant thoughts about body image and what I look like. And it was so obsessive about what was on the outside. And so, yeah, actually I saw a therapist and helped heal through that. But um, I went through a pretty traumatic breakup um, last year. And so I actually had, you know, a small relapse last year as well, which was really, um, really tough, I think, morally, because I think sometimes you build it up in your head that if you are recovered, then you think about it a lot of like, I'm recovered, it's in the past. And sometimes, you know, things and experiences can sneak up on you. And if you don't realize um, and have your guard up and, you know, start, you know, looking for those warning signs of old past eating disorder behaviors and thoughts, um, before you know it, it can spiral, which is definitely what happened to me. And so it's, you know, something now that I'm super vigilant about. Um, but yeah, you know, in terms of dots, it was kind of, you know, experiences in college, you know, then as I moved to LA and was a young adult. And then, you know, around that point, Annie and I came up with the idea, we were both kind of unhappy in our day jobs where we were, and we wanted to work together. And so we started kind of brainstorming ideas of, what you know like anyone does you know with a friend like oh if we ran a business what would we, what we do, do, what would we do? <laughs> and then you know we started thinking about different um of our skill sets and our interests and something with therapy and helping kids or younger um versions of us 
And then it just kind of, you know, the idea came up of what if we, you know, created this program or some sort of thing that wasn't available for us when we went through our eating disorders, but that we so wish would have been. And so it was kind of incorporating a lot of the things that we had learned in our own recovery experiences around um, developing your healthy self or your soul self. Um, so really building that up, which mm -hmm. really comes into play with the creative activity that we do at the start of our class whether it's a craft, um, it's improv, it's yoga, mm -hmm. it's, you know, art, art, some sort of mm -hmm. healthy movement, um, mm -hmm. that really helps build up, yeah, that, that soul self that is so important and eating disorder recovery to have that piece of things that you're interested in and that make you happy mm -hmm. on the inside. Um, and then, you know, eating together, eating a meal together, a shared mm -hmm. meal that is for our clients out of their control. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's a catered meal that we choose that mm -hmm. we plate for them and they have to finish it, mm -hmm. um, which is really scary for them, mm -hmm. but they do it mm -hmm. and, um, you know, make a commitment towards recovery with it too. Mm -hmm. That, you know, giving up that big piece of control is so hard, but it's so important. Yeah. So we knew that that had to be a piece of the class and then, mm -hmm. you know, a process group at the end to process the meal and then just mm -hmm. the daily challenges of living with an eating disorder. And so kind of all those little moments from our eating disorders that really we built into this program that, you know, have the big aspects of recovery that helped us move forward um, is kind of our story. Yeah. So it sounds like, Annie, that your struggle with food developed first. Yeah. So Ellen, do you think that part of the reason why you ended up developing one later on when you were feeling out of control was because of maybe picking up on Annie's behaviors as a kid or when you were still at home together? Yeah. You know, it, it's, it, it's something I've thought about a lot and it's mm -hmm. funny because it almost was actually... No, I don't want to say the reverse, but having seen what Annie went through and knowing how thin she was and, you know, knowing she had an eating disorder and knowing, you know, mm -hmm. there was so little I could do to help. When mine started to develop, I was so in my head of, I don't want to restrict too much because I, I don't want to go through what Annie did. I don't want to mm -hmm. be like Annie, and, you mm -hmm. know, not in a way that I was like ashamed of you, but in a way of like, I saw how sick yeah, you were like scary. And I knew yeah. that if I let myself restrict mm -hmm. too much and on that path. So a lot of my eating disorder in college was very, um, it was restriction for sure, but it was more based around my body image. And I was so careful about eating during the day, even, you know, I was choosing things that were super low calorie and I was always thinking about the food and thinking mm -hmm. about, you know, choosing my, my calories and things like that. But I was so careful not to go too far down the slope because I didn't, I, I, I saw kind of what happened. And so mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of interesting how my mind kind of took it as like a warning story, but I still mm -hmm. did it, but it was like, okay, do it a little bit, but don't go so far. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it, and it's, you know, still totally, still totally damaging and everything. But, you know, it's funny how our minds make up these little rules of, you can do it, but just, you know. It's okay if, like, you're doing, I mean, because well, yours was, like, more like the orthorexia kind of, mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah. thing of, like, quote-unquote, like, good foods, bad foods, like, that kind of stuff. And I think that an interesting piece too, and this like says like so much about our family, but like we 
when, while I was like very, very ill, um, for many, many years, me having an eating disorder, those words in our family were never said. Like no one was ever like, Hey, I think you're anorexic or like, Hey, I think you have like bulimia and no one said anything like that. It was always, um, like Annie's food issues was like this like weird kind of like trope about it mm-hmm. and then like when it would be brought up by I don't think you ever really brought it up I don't want to say I think it was more like my parents yeah getting scared every once in a while and like they would like sit me down and be like you need to eat like, like this is not okay and as I think a lot of people with an eating disorder can probably relate to it was like World War Three. like I was like and I'm a pretty mellow person usually, and I'm pretty calm. And like, those were some like very brief flashes of like <laughs> very extreme anger. Yeah. And I would be like, I'm fine. There's nothing wrong with me. You guys are crazy. Like, stop it. And, but it was never said, like, it was never like you have an eating disorder. Like you need help. Like clearly something's going on. Mm-hmm. It was always like this, like kind of subtext. And then it would like kind of go away and like, no one would talk about it for a while. And I was like, okay, great. I'm safe. Like, I don't think anyone. I don't think anyone knows, like, it was, like <laughs> no, like, ridiculous, because um, it was so, it was, like, so based in, like, obviously, secrecy for me, so it was this, like, weird kind of, like, mirroring, I think, that was going on in our family, in total of, like, mm-hmm. me holding the secret so tightly, and, like, being, like, no one knows, right, like, God forbid anyone knows, like, what is going on in my head, um, and then, like, almost our family being, like, I guess, sec- like, secretive in response, I think, to it, if that makes sense. Do you feel like your parents not being fully like upfront about it or, or fully saying like, yo, this is really what's going on or this is what we're seeing. What do you think had them act that way or respond to you and what was happening that way? Yes. Um, so I think a couple things. Mm -hmm. So number one, I think it was like a lack of education with my parents, which is like not uncommon, I think for the generation around just like mental health being like this like taboo topic and like, there's nothing wrong. Not our daughter, like our straight A, like, you know, perfect daughter. Like she doesn't have like a mental illness. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think there was that layer of it. And then I think like there was also, again, like the shame kind of piece, like my own shame and then being I think mirrored in our family like them I think in a lot of ways picking up on that and Mm -hmm. like a year ago I also like was feeling a lot of resent like continued resentment towards my parents for like hey I almost died and like no one did anything (laughs) like it was kind of just like Annie's food issues and like I was like really bad yeah and um I actually like had my parents go to like therapy with me and like kudos to them for like doing it and like joining me on that journey because like I'm sure it was not easy for them um but a lot of like what came out around that was them just being like we had no idea it was bad which I think for me kind of highlighted like I like the secret that I was keeping I was better at it than I thought I was like it really was extremely secretive and like not that they didn't know something was going on but they did but to the extent of what it was I think like even now they still kind of struggle to be like it was that bad like you were that unhappy like and it was it's hard for them to know right and I and 
it's hard. It's hard when your parents don't understand mental health and different disorders and things to the capacity that you do. And I mm -hmm. think our generation has become really amazing at speaking up about our mental health, whether it's with ourselves, you know, or making memes about it and jokes about it on Instagram. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's so good to have that conversation out there. And I, having seen what Annie went through growing up and our parents just not getting it. Um, when I was in college and was going mm -hmm. through my eating disorder, I, I just, you know, I was, you know, I still on their insurance and I was, you know, I told them, I was like, Hey, like I have an eating disorder and I'm going to go to therapy and like, you're going to pay for it. And, <laughs> you know, it was just being an adult with an eating disorder is a lot. Yeah. You have so much more freedom, freedom, and you're on recovery than when Annie was 16 and mm -hmm. living under our parents' house and, you know, living in their house. And like, she didn't really have the option. It, it, like, it was just, I didn't know how to like advocate for myself. At the time. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I think, you know, me seeing you go through that helped me be able to advocate for myself yeah. more. So it's mm -hmm. definitely not something that every, you know, young adult is able to do. But mm -hmm. with that, it was kind of like, I saw, I was like, okay, like my parents were never like gonna do anything. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I better speak up now and like say what it is. Otherwise, you know, I'm just going to stay like this forever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think, you know, moving forward from that time, I think Annie and I have done a really good job of keeping each other accountable Yeah. Um, because we both are, you know, we're best friends but, and we know each other so well that we can really pick up on when it seems like someone's slipping or like mm -hmm. choosing something that, you know, is you know, either a dietary lifestyle or something. It's like, I think we become really good at calling each other out mm -hmm. in a nice way, but like, Hey, like, are you really going vegan because you care about animals or you're going vegan because you like, are you looking for answers? Like that right. Kind of stuff. right. And so I think that's been something that we've carried through in our relationship. And there's a level of accountability now that we run our own business for teens and young adults with eating disorders that we we have to practice what we preach it's mm -hmm. it becomes almost like ethically a business liability if, mm -hmm. we, if we were to be engaging in eating disorder behaviors by day and then mm -hmm. teaching you know our students mm -hmm. not to do it by night like you know it's just it wouldn't you know it would just be so wrong so I think there's been a lot of things moving forward from our own experiences that have helped keep us on the track of recovery and um, yeah yeah, so Annie, I know that you're a therapist and Ellen, you and I are similar in teaching from experience and advocating for ourselves. And having your guys's background, what had you decide that you wanted to form the nonprofit specifically? Like what had you decide together that this was the avenue that you were going to take? So for example, like why nonprofit as opposed to a regular for-profit? Why um have group have these group sessions. I don't think do you offer anything individual? I do like my own private practice on the side, but not in terms of like our nonprofit. Okay. Yeah. So just what had you decide to go down this route? You know, just as a fellow entrepreneur, I can imagine like the paperwork about <laughs> to like get that certification. Like I just would love to know what had you choose that route. Yeah. Um gosh, I think I think like, so for me, like therapy wise, like for a long time, I actually like stayed away from working with eating disorders specifically. My um, background was in trauma, which like is related to eating disorders, but it was more with, um, you know, teen and adult populations and like heavy trauma. I do like EMDR, which is like a very specific thing for PTSD. And so mm -hmm. 
And part of that was a conscious decision on my part of like, I don't want to work with eating disorders unless I am like very secure in my own and my own healing with eating disorders because like I don't want to like harm anybody else, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and I've been a therapist for like, you know, oh my gosh, like seven, eight years now. So like in the beginning, I was like, no, I'm not going to work with eating disorders. I'm not like ready. Um, and then there came a point where I was like, you know, like I... I was working, I was working in juvenile hall and so, and which was like another story for another day, but like, it's like, you know, <laughs> I was like, and I loved it and I loved the kids I worked with. And, um, and then I worked in the foster care system too. And I loved that. And I loved the teenagers that I worked with, but I was, there was a certain thing where I was like, I, I've never been in a fight, you know, like I've like, I, I've never been in jail. Like, I don't like, <laughs> I can't like, I can only relate to you so much. And so like, I, I felt like I was missing like a big piece of like, relating to my clients and I really I, I know this is like kind of like I don't want to say controversial statement but kind of in like at least the therapy world mm-hmm. I think that the best therapist match for a client is someone who has to a degree been through or had peripheral experience of what you're going through. Um and that can be very broad, right? Like someone else has like been through trauma and you've been through trauma. So you know bonding on that. Um, and I think specifically with eating disorders, they are so nuanced and there's so much diet culture that I think it is incredibly, incredibly, incredibly important to have someone, a healing, a healing professional, whether it's like a therapist or a life coach or a dietitian or whatever, who has experience in that. So I felt like I had a lot to give because like, obviously I had been through like, you know, hell and back with my own experience. And Mm -hmm. so that's when I think I I started to choose more to work with eating disorders in like my own private practice and things like that. Um, and I found it incredibly fulfilling. And as far as like business wise, I think like, I think when thinking about the way that we wanted the business to look and we knew we wanted to do nonprofit to come from a place of mission above profit that was really important to us we didn't want it to seem like we were capitalizing on eating disorders to make a buck which you know there's a ton of you know folks who run you know just regular llc's and free disorders or any other thing and that's it's you know it's totally fine i think for us we just that was a piece of like just how we felt about it just between us Mm -hmm. you know super individualized personal decision does not you know mean it's right or wrong um and then we wanted in part of our class we um so in the creative activity we have volunteers that come in and teach all that portion so you know, volunteers who teach calligraphy and yoga and astrology and, you know, mindfulness or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever activity we're doing that day. So that was another piece. So great. We can get, um, have volunteers come in and, you know, save money that way. And yeah. And then from there, you know, I think my background is in um, public relations. So I was, I had some experience in being able to kind of craft some messaging around our company and as we started putting together like the bare bones of you know um, a mission statement and things like that and then we you know had to hire a lawyer for (laughs) to get you know do do the um the 501c3 paperwork and everything like that from there you know it was pretty seamless and so that gave us the freedom being able to do push that work 
to him and it gave us the opportunity to really hone in more on our messaging and use the time you know when we were both still working our other jobs at the time mm -hmm. we only had we were meeting up on Saturdays just to work on this yeah I'd say like the other important aspect of like being a nonprofit too is that we really wanted to incorporate outreach mm -hmm. um as far as like education with eating disorders um mm -hmm. just given our own experience of having like a lot of really unhealthy behaviors like greenlit so to speak by like um doctors medical professionals yeah. nurses teachers, teachers counselors. counselors of being like oh cool like you're not eating like that's fine and um and people just like being afraid to talk about eating disorders mm -hmm. which is like understandable given kind of what I said before about like my own reaction of like when my parents are bringing it up it was like you know fireworks yeah um and like we so we do a lot of like outreach work around like you know this is what to expect when you talk to someone about an eating disorder it's not going to be a fun conversation yeah. they are going to be defensive like and you need to have it again because like they can't think for themselves right now of what's best for them mm -hmm. and you need to be their advocate and to help them make a choice that they can't in their malnourished state. Right. And so being a nonprofit helps us be able to take meetings with doctors and get into schools um, to have those discussions with um, staff yeah. and, and parents. Yeah, I can see how unbelievably invaluable that is. Also, just like referencing back to your own story, Annie, about being in being so defensive whenever anyone brought anything up like hey Annie you need to eat and you'd be like I'm fine I can imagine those listening have been in situations like that where they're just pretending everything is fine and that it's good and part of it is you might be in denial that you're struggling and the other part of it is that you just like you don't want to give it up like you're not mm -hmm. ready and so I think being able to educate all of these different people in your community about like what to look for and how to have those types of conversations and how to be an advocate for someone who isn't advocating for themselves mm -hmm. is so invaluable and so helpful. And like you had mentioned a little bit earlier, I agree with you that I think that the person who's going to be most equipped to help you heal from an eating disorder is someone who's had an eating disorder. Because if you don't have personal experience it, with it, diet culture is so pervasive and it's really easy for your disordered behaviors with food to be masked by things that are promoted as healthy and good for you in diet culture like for example intermittent fasting yes. and so it's hard for someone who's never had personal experience to be like oh you're intermittent fasting like great i've heard all these good things about it and not <laughs> are you actually just like skipping meals so i'm with you a hundred percent i think that when it comes to I can't speak on any other area, but at least personally with eating disorders, I think that it's like, why take directions from someone who's never been where you're going? Yeah, right. So to speak. So I'd love to know, what are some of the biggest life lessons you guys have learned from your eating disorders? And they can be in any area of life. And then if you have some of those life lessons that you've learned that have then led to what you teach, I'd love to hear about that as well. Okay, I'll start. So I would say, got several, but I'll start with my biggest one. So I would say like for a long time, I had a very contentious relationship with my own history and my eating disorder. And meaning that I was very angry at what I had lost. I was very angry at my history. I was very angry at everyone who didn't um, keep me like safe, I guess. And like, you know, 
be like, you need to go to the hospital. Mm -hmm. And, and I was really sad around like everything that I missed. And so I just had like a very contentious relationship with like, oh my God, like I missed out on a lot of my life. And I think that a huge um, pivot point for me or like a big difference that in my own recovery and like, just like my work with myself was rather than hating my eating disorder, it was like, what was my eating disorder trying to do for me during my life? rather than being this like monster because from a therapy perspective internal family systems this is kind of like a big tenant it's like what are you, what are what are your maladaptive behaviors like trying to do for you because like we as humans we don't do something for nothing like even when it comes to like you know heroin use like it's like it's coming from a place of like i'm trying to do something for you like numbing out, so to speak, because you can't handle like whatever's going on mm -hmm. in your life. Mm -hmm. um, and so for me, it was like, okay, so like, what is my eating disorder? Like, what has it been trying to do for me? Albeit like, not well, like it hasn't been like effective or like helpful, like in the long term, but it's been trying to help me out. And so for me, like the realization was my eating disorder has tried to provide a sense of safety a sense of control, mm -hmm. a sense of predictability mm -hmm. and normalcy. And when I look at it that way, I, um, it really shifted like the relationship that I had with my past and my behaviors and like the piece of me that does really like control and is perfectionistic. And it became more about like gratitude, so to speak around like, I'm, you know, I'm really grateful that like for a time in my life when I was really struggling with all of that stuff, like something was there to like try and help me and it ended up obviously like being very harmful but it was trying to help me and even now like if I get like a thought or like you know a behavior or something that comes up where it's like you know restrictive length or something like that it's like oh like thanks you know you just order for like trying to keep me safe or trying to keep my life predictable but like I don't need you right now like I'm not you know 16 anymore like I'm not you know 15 I, I'm like I can like I have a lot more skills in my pocketbook that I can um, rely upon mm -hmm. rather than feeling like upset or defeated or angry towards that part of myself because at the end of the day having that anger and resentment was really like directed towards me in my own and my own past and history which is very I think caustic and like de detrimental so I would say that is like a big like life lesson of just like reframing like how I thought my own history. And I do think that I had to go through that period of like being really angry about it because yeah. I was emotionally shut off when I was like going through everything. So like I didn't have like any emotions. I was numb the entire time. And so I, a lot of it was very like retroactive. Like now it's my time to be angry because I was never angry about it before. Mm -hmm. But like as far as like letting go and dropping the bags of like that anger and resentment, I think that was a big piece for me. Mm -hmm. Totally relate to that. And I think for me, kind of, you know, some of these, some of the things that I think about a lot and that I've learned from my own um, therapist and other people on my treatment teams in the past have been this idea of like, it's okay to be frustrated with the recovery journey. I think, especially when I had my relapse um, last year, and I was in the place where I was weight restoring and it was, I was just so, I felt like so annoyed at everything because it was so like, 
I had to eat all the time and I didn't want to eat, you know, it, it, it's like I did, but it was so tiring. And I felt like I was just, you know, thinking about my eating disorder all the time. That's all my day was. And it was like, you know, my therapist was like, you know, I get it. You know, she was like, it's, it's, you know, recovery isn't fun all the time. And it's not always like sunshine and rainbows. And I think that's something that we talk to our clients a lot about where it's okay for you to be in our group and be frustrated and be pissed off. And like, not want to eat the meal that we just set out for you and want, and you know, you want to throw it at our face <laughs> and, you know, and that's fine. Like feel all of those things. Kind of what Annie was says is like, feel that anger, feel the frustration of having to do this. And then, you know, by able, by being able to feel that piece, you also feel the gratitude, the happiness, the joy, the freedom that you get on the other side of recovery. Um, so that was a big piece for me. And then also the idea that like recovery isn't linear, um, which I, you know, we talk to our clients a lot about, and I think a lot about kind mm -hmm. of, you know, every day, just this idea of like, you know, it's a chart that's going up and there can be little bumps along the road, but you're still moving upwards mm -hmm. and those little dips don't, you know, they're just a dip. It doesn't mean you're back to square one. There's mm -hmm. no, you know, you don't, it's not like, or even if it's a big dip, like there's still a lot to learn from it all that yeah exactly the end of the story so you know those are two of the biggest lessons that I think I learned and, and I take with me um in other ways throughout my life you know this idea that you know our business journey is not linear we're going to have bumps in the road it's going to be hard you know it's not running a business together and quitting our jobs and being you know like this is gonna be so awesome yeah this is gonna be so awesome like it's not always you know like I said sunshine rainbows and unicorns you know we can both just annoyed and like oh this is so hard and it doesn't mean that we don't love it but like it just there you don't have to be like so optimistic and like you know it's just not realistic all the time mm -hmm. yeah yeah you guys had touched on some really great points like Annie you had you had talked about how like this was something that happened for you right and you had talked about how it was serving a purpose at the time that we we only engage in behaviors to get something out of it like there's a payoff in it or something we're reaching for or something we're trying to feel have in our life you had said like safety and control and i think that that is really really true and i think that having that perspective allows you to not have so much shame but it allows you to have compassion of like i'm just trying to feel love I'm just trying to feel acceptance. I'm just trying to feel safe. And I've always believed that when we look from the perspective that things are happening for us, mm -hmm. we're able to see the lessons. We're able to see what it is that we're trying to accomplish. Maybe accomplish isn't the best fitting word, but like, what is it that is here for us? What yeah. can we learn? What can we take away? How is this happening so that we can grow and evolve and be more equipped to deal with things in the future? Because like you said, Ellen, Recovery is not linear. It's not a straight line. I always say recovery is a motherfucking scribble. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And like it is. And it's, oh, and, yeah. and I loved that you had said that like, it's okay to like, to like not enjoy the recovery process because yeah. it's hard. Like going through recovery is like the messy middle and you're going to have good days and bad days. And like you said, as long as you keep showing up for yourself to the best of your ability, you're eventually going to get there. Like I truly believe yeah. that recovery is possible. That doesn't mean you're not going to have those dips. It doesn't mean you're not going to have those hard days, but it's an opportunity to continue to show up and show resilience, you know, and, and continue to persist, so to speak. And 
do those hard things like eat the food, talk about what you don't want to talk about, you know? Totally. Mm-hmm. Totally. So you had earlier in the conversation, you had mentioned a little bit about your guys' philosophy at GEM, about how you incorporate the activity, you incorporate the mealtime, and you incorporate the group processing session, which is like group therapy, so to speak. And this was a model created out of the pillars of your unique recovery process. So I'd love to know, can you talk a little bit more about why you find this mind, body, spirit approach to be so powerful and transformative for those in recovery or those who are wanting to recover? Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. We built GEMMED and like the pieces around it and the, or the components to address not only like, I guess, like top down brain activity versus like bottom up, quote unquote. And so like top down brain functioning is like when you're like talking about things and it's like engaging like your frontal cortex and like thinking about things and like, wow, what does that word mean to me? And like, let's change our thinking and like all that kind of stuff, like the group therapy kind of aspect, which is super important. And I think what often gets um, not included or discounted is like the bottom up kind of brain activity. And those are the things like engaging your reptilian brain or like um, your more emotional side of your brain. And that's things like doing things, you know, and like doing um, art and doing yoga and, you know, dance and improv and doing things where you are cha- like literally in the moment challenging the rigidity that comes with an eating disorder and right. being more flexible, which translates also to like mealtime food. And mm-hmm. we really felt that that gets left out of a lot of treatment unless you're in like, you know, an IOP or an intensive outpatient program or higher or partial hospitalization. Right. And not every, num- number one, not everyone's insurance is going to cover that. Number two, not everyone has access to something like that. And or they're not like, you know, yeah, deemed, deemed sick enough, enough um, by they, insurance companies. Yeah, that, that they would qualify that or they can't afford it or anything mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we wanted to make sure that like those important pieces of recovery are brought into our group. And what we see generally is like the most movement around. Um, so like when we tell people, we're like, oh yeah, we do like an activity and then we do eat together and then we do group and people are like, oh, the group therapy must be like the most important piece. And I'm like, it is important, but I would say like we see the most movement um, around like the activity portion yeah. of things of like discovering like this is really fun and I, I haven't been making room for things like this in my life because I've been so consumed with my eating disorder um, or my body image issues. And and, and it's, and I really do believe it's because it's really accessing a different part of your brain yeah. during those portions. And that's something too, you know, we bring it in from our own experience in recovery. And, mm-hmm. um, that was the big piece for me. It was like, I needed hobbies at the time of my recovery to take the place of my eating disorder. Like I didn't do anything, but think about my eating disorder and what I was going to eat and exercise all mm-hmm. the time. So when I, when that piece got taken away, then it was like, I was like, what do I do with my time? So, you know, at the time in college, like I got really into crafting and I would make, it was, like, I would like print out song lyrics that I like. Mm-hmm. It was like very emo and then I like <laughs> decorated and glitter and frame them. But like, that was like soothing mm-hmm. to me. And then, you know, it's like, I do, um, 
like a dance class or, mm -hmm. you know, trying to incorporate movement that has nothing to do with burning calories or sweating, you know, mm -hmm. it's just like slow movements and mm -hmm. things like that. And so, you know, and you know, what we talk about with that, like that soul self, which is so important in ED recovery is like accessing that. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, this is such a good way to access that. And the goal was not for our clients to be like, oh my God, like I have, you know, I did calligraphy. I'm going to do calligraphy for the rest of my life. Like you, it may click with you. It may not, but the idea is to just try new things, see what you like. Mm -hmm. And you know, what we find a lot of times is our clients are like, uh, you know, like, you know, with arts and crafts, like, I haven't done this in years. Yeah. Like, I forgot how much fun it is yeah. just to like, make a little thing mm -hmm. and do it. Mm -hmm. And like, the idea just has never occurred to them that they could do this on their own time. Yeah. So that's kind of where that piece came in. And then with the meal time, that's obviously, you know, harkens back to how difficult it was for both of us to like share a meal with friends. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we always explain it like, okay, when you know to our clients and intakes it's like annie and i will plate the meal for you mm -hmm. it's essentially mimicking if you were to go over to a friend's house and they served you up dinner um you the polite thing to do is eat what's on your plate yeah you know so it's like it's trying to train them in that idea of being able to give up that control mm -hmm. eat socially with friends mm -hmm. we don't talk about the food at the table we talk mm -hmm. about you know, normal dinner table conversation, mm -hmm. like news and music and what happened at school and mm -hmm. what's, what are you doing this weekend? Mm -hmm. Things that are, you know, normal people who have normal relationships with food do, you know, mm -hmm. you're not silently eating, you're not getting meal exchanges. Like yeah, you're, you're not weighing your food. You're not weighing yeah. your food. You're not like separating it out and putting your meat over here and this over here. Mm -hmm. And then you're eating in a recovered way. Yeah, in a recovered way. Mm -hmm. And so that was, that's kind of like our philosophy around the meal portion. Yeah. And then, you know, the group therapy, it's like we do different activities during groups. Sometimes we just process with what people are going through that mm -hmm. week. Um, and our goal in that is to really build up this community for our clients of other people who they can talk to about it. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. it's a, having that group support is a huge piece in recovery mm -hmm. um and having a support system that you have never had before mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and a lot of our clients have never like talked about it so it's like a big you know first step mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i can mm -hmm. see how all of those components are incredibly important and crucial to the recovery process not only from just hearing your guys' story, but even like looking at my journey and the different clients that I've worked with over the years about how talking about it is incredibly important and talking about it with others, incredibly important. That community piece I think is unparalleled. I think it's so isolating to have an eating disorder and we can have so much shame and we don't talk about it. And like talking about it is a huge part of how we heal, especially as women, like we have the gift of gab, but men as well. I'd love all men to talk about their feelings more. And, and I think that when you combine it with these action pieces, in addition to the talking and the downloading and the working through things and the perspective shifting and getting related to other people who are going through the same thing, but then combine that with these different activities that you guys are doing to have fun, to express yourself, to get out of your shell to just engage in behaviors, so to speak, that have nothing to do with the types of behaviors and actions that you were engaging in in your eating disorder. And then of course, mealtime, like 
duh, you know, get, like eating, yeah. eating food, eating food that wasn't like the healthiest thing on the menu or the type, like often you can have OCD behaviors with food. And so you like only will eat like green food or you like will only eat like peanut butter with apples, whatever it is. Here's this opportunity to like really face your fears, to really stretch yourself and like take incredible action in a really, really safe, safe container to like eat the foods, to face your fears. And like you said, to be in that conversation, I could just think that the combination of what you guys offer people is why it's so effective. And I think it's really what sets you guys apart. Yeah. 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 Totally. So on that note, I'm, (laughs) I'm so excited to share with all of the listeners, especially those of you on like the West coast region that we're going to host some workshops together in 2020. Yeah, we're going to give people an opportunity in LA of all ages to be able to come together to experience what it's like to be in a community, to have fun exploring these activities. And so we created a five-part workshop series. So we're not just doing one day. We really want to support you guys through this process. So we're actually doing a five-part workshop series. We're going to have one workshop a month for five months starting in January, and it is called Embodied. And our intention with Embodied is to help you guys restore body acceptance, to heal your relationship with food, and connect to a supportive community. And through the various activities that are going to be included in the workshops, like the dancing, the acting, the improv, the arts and crafts, you're going to get more embodied. You're going to have an opportunity to be in your body and like do stuff. And then we're going to be healing your relationship with food by having us share meals together. And then of course the group therapy, you're going to get to be with people and you're, you don't have to be alone. You can talk to other people. And this is like such a beautiful combination uh, totally. that we're offering for people. Um, like, I just like, I, I've personally haven't like seen stuff like this, you know, especially like a series too. I think it's so unique and like a great opportunity for anyone that's looking for like community and like support. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the the topics that we've come up with and the themes that we've come up with for each month I think are things that are really relevant right now Mm -hmm. and um so in January our theme for January is new year Mm -hmm. and what we're talking about then is this idea of tackling new year's resolutions that have nothing to do with dieting, losing weight, you know, it's almost like new year, same me, you know, it's not like new year to me. I have to change everything about me this year. And so it's like, what are, what goals can we set that have nothing to do with weight loss and, you know, have things that help build up that soul self that have nothing to do with, um, you know, and like, what do you want your life to look like this year? You know, actually your life, not your body, your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're going to be doing some mood boards and mm-hmm. some fun stuff like that to help together what it's going to look like. Yeah. And then, you know, all the, the workshops, they mimic our class structure where we're going to do activity, mm-hmm. meal, mm-hmm. process group, but it's just more extended. So it's longer. So mm-hmm. we'll do multiple process groups. We'll do, you know, have a longer meal time and things like that. Yeah, a longer um, activity. Mm-hmm. So it's like um, starting at around like 
I think two in the afternoon and then it goes to like around 7 p.m so like mm-hmm. talk about getting a bang for your buck like you know you're there for hours and you yeah. get like multiple process groups and you get like an activity and you get a meal and like a lot of different stuff where it's not like oh I'm gonna come in and like do an hour of like talking and then I'm gonna leave like it's actually like quite intensive and like you get and it's fun you're gonna leave with you know, new hobbies, new coping skills, obviously things from the activity that we do, but you're mm-hmm. also going to leave with having met people who mm-hmm. go, go through the same thing that you do. Yeah. And like new friends and mm-hmm. living in LA, I think we all know how hard it is sometimes to, and even anywhere, how hard is to make friends as an adult? It's yeah. hard. It's hard to like find people that you connect with mm-hmm. unless you like them at work or like at a party or something. So even it's then. like, even <laughs> then, yeah. So it's nice, you know, you know, we just love the idea of like having a bunch of people in the room, in a room together who have one big thing in common, mm-hmm. which is, you know, they want to talk about body image. Like we want to talk about eating disorders mm-hmm. and talk about, you know, how, like, you know, what's going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you want to share with us the remaining workshops? So you had mentioned January yeah. is all about setting new intentions for ourselves that aren't about weight loss. Can you walk us through February through May? So February is going to focus on like relationships and body image. So like how is disordered eating or body image um, affecting your love life? How does it come up in dating? How does it incorporate in how you view yourself and love yourself as well? Um, And the activity for that class is going to be yoga and breathwork and meditation. And then just um, like really getting into your body, you know, we're going to be talking about, you know, kind of like getting into your body and then kind of, we're going to do it, you know, with some movement. And then in March, we're going to do intuitive eating focus. So kind of like a panel where you're getting stuck with intuitive eating, um, what's getting in the way, what do you want to embrace? What fears do you have around embracing intuitive eating? Mm -hmm. Um, We're going to have a registered dietitian um, come in, Eve of Vitamin Eve, who has a TED talk on this and is very legit. (laughs) So she's going to come in and participate as well to answer like all of your questions about that. Um, And then we're going to do the activity is going to be a calligraphy class. And so writing like self mantras. Mm-hmm. Um, for that class around like what you want for yourself yeah, yeah. and then um, so that's March and then in April is going to be friendship and so that's incorporating like how is disordered eating holding back from friendships like do you have like brotherhood or sisterhood wounds that are impacting your ability to connect with other people mm-hmm. um, and just like living in Los Angeles and diet culture as well and how that like tends to be a focus of a lot of like friendships and how to break away right like conversations yeah things like that Mm -hmm. we're gonna do some improv and acting work with Mm -hmm. um, some folks who are gonna come in who do improv for their day job and so they're gonna kind of teach us ways to like you know loosen up loosen up (laughs) which is fun yeah I need that oh my god yeah And then in May, um, we're going to focus on rebelling. So that's mm-hmm. like breaking free from diet yeah. culture and like embracing your inner rebel, which is so right. often like not talked about with women. I think in particular, yeah. it's like, you know, you're allowed to like embrace your inner rebel and speak up and take a space and speak out. Yeah. Um, and I'm super excited for this activity yes. because we're going to be doing like jean jackets that have embellishments. So we're going to have a volunteer who works in silent fashion come in and help like with 
embellishment and like kind of like patches mm -hmm. and like kind of like mm -hmm. making it's this idea of like having you're gonna make like your own jean jacket that's like armor and mm -hmm. like that's like totally you and embodies like how you want to feel mm -hmm. um and you can put whatever you want on it and so we're gonna all do that together and then it's just gonna be really cool yeah yeah i there's there's so much value included in these workshops like the value there's value included in each individual day and when you look at them collectively as a group you can really see your opportunity for growth and transformation and to really move the needle forward in terms of getting to a place where you're where you have more body acceptance where you are more at peace with food and to also then be able to walk away with friends is so awesome. I'm so excited about this. Even having you guys go through and list out like what we're doing. I'm over here like getting so excited. <laughs> like this is going to be so cool. And, and we really want those that like who live, I mean, you can live anywhere if you want to come out for this, like, cool, make a vacay out of it. But I'm really, really excited for us to get to, you know, take the conversation offline and to really come together and be in person. I at least know for me personally, like so much of my interaction with my community, with my clients is virtual. Like we might see each other on like Zoom camera. So I'm really excited to get to like hang out together and to get to do these things in person because while online is amazing, it's not a substitute for in-person real human connection. So I'm totally stoked. We have so many amazing volunteers lined up to come in and teach uh, different activities. Like you mentioned, we're going to have Eve, the dietitian, come in and teach all intuitive eating. Like and the food, it's just going to be so epic. I'm so excited about wow, that. Wow, it's going to be so much fun. And it's on a Saturday too. So like, it's like easy, you know, because so yeah. often people are like, oh, I have a job. I can't do a support right. group. And it's like, it's a Saturday. So it's like really. You um, can like make time for it. If you work yeah. on Saturdays, like put in the time off. Yeah. Like, and it's just, you know, a few hours in the afternoon, but you're going to get so much for it in the weeks, days and weeks to come. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So all of the information is going to be on, it's on your guys' website at gemmed.ngo. That's G-E-M-M-E-D.ngo. The info will be in the show notes. You can also go to my website, kitchen.net and go under the work with me tab. You'll see the page for embodied. So if you guys want all of the details, further description of what we're doing on each day, ticket prices, ticket details, you know, our, our hope is that you're going to come to all five, but if you just come to one, like awesome, you're still going to have a great fucking time. And like you said, it's on Saturday. So don't blame traffic, yo, get your yeah. butt. <laughs> and I feel like any, like, and you don't have to live in Los Angeles. Like we said, like even no, like, yeah. oh my gosh, like if you're in the Inland Empire, if you're in Santa Barbara, like San if Diego, you're in San Diego, like just drive up. So let's wrap this up. I'd love to hear from each of you ladies. What's your favorite quote? Um, yeah, I have one that's just so fun and it's my phone background right now. And it's a picture of Sailor Moon, um, who I just like grew up watching that cartoon, but it's, it's a quote. It's like, you can't fight evil on an empty stomach. And I look and I see it every day cause it's my background. But then when I like think about it, I'm like, it's so true. Like, you know, mm -hmm. whatever your evil you're facing that day, I'm always like, I look at it, I'm like, oh yeah, like I need to eat. Oh yeah, like I'm hungry. You know, it's just so, you can't fight evil on an empty stomach. You just can't. Yes. So that is my favorite quote for sure. I'm just pulling mine out right now. <laughs> okay, so mine is actually, is this okay? It's a poem. 
it's kind of, it's, it's a little more hefty, but I feel like it's very um, important. Okay. Well, I'm really rigid and it has to be a quote. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this poem, um, it's by, I believe, Aaron Hansen and it's called Not. So, oh, here we go. So you are not your age, nor the size of clothes you wear. You are not your weight or the color of your hair. You are not your name or the dimples in your cheeks. You are in all the books you read and all the words you speak. You are your curvy morning voice and the smiles you tried to hide. You're the sweetness in your laughter and every tear you've cried. You're the songs you sing so loudly when, you're, when you know you're all alone. You're the places that you've been to and the one that you call home. You're the things that you believe in. You're the people that you love. You're the photos in your bedroom and the future you dream of. You're made of so much beauty, but it seems that you forgot when you decided you were defined by all the things you're not. Mm, so powerful. Yeah. yeah, it's such a good one. Yeah, that's beautiful. You got to send me a link to that. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. This was so incredible. Yes, thank you for having us. Thank it's you so, so much. It's just so good to talk about this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. Where can our listeners find you guys? We said your website, but where are you guys on social media? Social media, we're on Instagram at the inner gem. Um, B T H E inner gem. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Bye. And that is our episode for today. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to the Love Your Bod Pod. If you got a lot out of today's episode, please leave a ratings and review on iTunes or share it with a friend who you know would benefit or share it in your Instagram stories. I love seeing that. I'm always so grateful. And the giveaway is still going on. So if you leave a ratings and review on iTunes and you screenshot a picture of your review and send it to me in my Instagram DMs, you're automatically entered and you're going to get to choose either from a copy of my first book, Body Wisdom, or a 30-minute coaching session with me. And that's going on through the holiday seasons. I wanted to create a way to give back to all of you guys for all of your support and love over the last year or so of the Love Your Bod Pod. So... Thank you for tuning in. And if you have any questions about the workshops, shoot me a DM. And just a friendly quick reminder that the cookbook, Vegan Bootables, is also available for pre-order. You can get all of the links in the show notes or at my website. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. And I'll see you all next week. 